Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, as always, Jamie Wagner. How you doing? Doing great, man. It's uh, it's wonderful to see you. Uh, what uh, we we've been doing this, and I've kind of enjoyed it. Now I'm going to flip the tables Ooh. on you. What it something that has been like, hey, I'm I'm eyes up in this, and then something where it's maybe been a struggle. Yeah. So the the struggle I'll start with because those are always the easiest to recognize. It seems like, but uh, played in a golf tournament with my wife uh, recently and got into a situation where we were in a playoff at the end, 10 teams, alternate shots. So, you know, she hits a shot. I got to hit the shot from wherever it is. And I realized that, I mean, I've played a lot of golf competitively and not. And there were times where I was like, I, I couldn't, I was like, I couldn't hardly hold the club. I was thinking my, all of my thoughts were like, don't screw this up. Don't hit it here. Don't whatever. It's all the stuff that we talk about, right. With our, our athletes and, and with our coaches and stuff like that is what are you focusing on? And it was a struggle, man. And, and we did. Okay. We finished in the top five. We didn't win, which is not always, you know, going to be the case, but yeah, I just learned a lot about when the, the pressure gets turned up, you know, we are just as susceptible to that. Um, boy, what is going well? I told you, I don't, it's harder, harder to understand that, but, um, I think mostly it's, I'm still working on the house, trying to get some stuff done. And I think keeping in perspective, the, the zooming out for me is, Hey, we're still making progress. We're getting there because there are certainly days where it's like, man, this is never ending but zooming out and looking at the whole picture and saying, Hey, things are starting to come together and, and it's, it's going to be pretty cool. So how about you? Um, we had a really awesome week here in Minnesota. Some of the teams that we were working with competing in state tournaments and, uh, really having to face some adversity to get there sort of thing. A softball team, Katie, here's your shout out. Um, they, they were in some dire straits in reality, like down, big in a, in a game, you know, down in the first inning in another game and found ways to win and, and get into the state tournament. And, uh, you know, just, just an awesome resiliency baseball team working with kind of the same thing. So it's really, uh, encouraging on the good side to, to see these groups that we've been working with say, Hey, what you're doing with us matters. And, it's not that we have all the answers. It's just that we open the door to some conversations about challenging things that now the coaches walk through and say, well, we've, we've, we've at least started this conversation. And then to see it show up in these moments of high pressure, is just awesome. You know, it's, it's so gratifying and really not for us, like for us as a group or a business or whatever, right. it's to say these kids got the opportunity to do this thing that they really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And what, a, what a gift and a joy that's been. Um, so that's been really cool. Um, for me, it's listening to my body a little bit. I, I am very stubborn about some things. No way. And uh, yesterday, I got to 100 miles on our running challenge. And I really, really want to go run today because I just have to run every day, apparently, because this is, I'm like, I'm going to do this. But my, I, I upped the, the mileage to try and get to 100 and my body has not responded super well to that. So mm. I'm, 
I'm forcing myself to take a day off today. Um, but I don't know that I'm actually going to, um, <laughs> cause I'm like a compulsive addict or something. So, uh, so yeah, that's been a struggle today, particularly. Cool. No, I, I agree. I love that. It's a good check-in for us, but also out there, I mean, for you guys, as you're listening, you know, obviously we're sharing about what we're dealing with and what we're struggling with and what we're doing well, but it's a good exercise for you, whether that's daily or weekly to be thinking about, am I getting better today? Am I getting better this week? What's been a struggle and how can I plan and adjust and adapt to where I want to be going? So, so John, we know that we're going to do this next week. Let's do it daily. So we get into the practice of it, right? Let's, that's a challenge to the two of us that you guys are here for, that we're going to try and do this thing daily. What's good, what's bad on this area in our lives so that we have something to come. It's super, it's a, it's a habit we're going to build here in the next week or so. Not a habit, but anyway. Not a habit. Not a habit. All right. Uh, cool conversation we get to today. Head coach of Rocky Mountain College here in Billings, Montana. I don't know why I said here. I live in Bozeman now. So, yeah. um, no, but he's a, he's a guy that I got connected with and have gotten to know um, Coach Stutz. Really cool and, and some, even though I know him and I've been around the program, some stuff that I didn't even know. Yeah, I, I was so grateful. I love talking shop when it comes to football. So, um, but that wasn't really what we were talking about today. It was about how do we build cultures mm-hmm. around our programs and how do we do it even when it's hard, right? There's covid that they had to work through for the last year. He's, you know, in his second year and walks into that, right? What does it look like to start a program? You know, yeah. to, to start something as a first year guy. And I just, um, he's got awesome stuff to, to give to us and how they then bring some of their values and beliefs into the whole of their program was just a really fun thing to talk about. Yeah. They live it. Yeah. It's not, they live it. It's integrated. It's part of it. And sneak peek, it's character, it's accountability, it's relentless, and it's discipline. They call it the card, which, you know, again, the cool thing about it is they live it and you're going to find out how coming up, but a lot of people just say those things and then it stops there. But um, excited to share the conversation. Coach Stutz, a, a cool dude, and um, let's go. Coach Stutz, head football coach, Rocky Mountain College. Coach, I don't even know how to say the rest of your last name, so I just go with Stutz. If you want to correct me, feel free, but uh, we can just go with that if you want. No, that works. That's easier. It's Stutz Ream. Um, I've heard everything from Stutz Stream to everything in the book, so Stutz is easier. It's um, easier for the kids and, and, and all that stuff, so it's, it's that's perfectly fine. Totally understand you know, my last name is Shirky. I get Sharky. I get Shirley. I get Sharkly. People just want to add L's to my name apparently, but anyway, coach, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, we've been looking forward to having you on for a while. You and I got introduced from one of our mutual acquaintances and he's actually been on the pod podcast, Bob Wilmoth, the president there. Um, wow. You had him before me, man. That's I'll let that one slide. I'll let that one slide just cause he's the president and the boss. So, well, just giving you an opportunity to raise the bar, you know, he yeah, there we go. so you can, we you go. can bring it up, but, Good. um, no, I've gotten, uh, gotten to know you and your program a little bit there in, in Billings, Montana, but tell our listeners a little bit about Rocky mountain college, Rocky mountain football and kind of your journey to becoming the head coach there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Rocky, we're in, obviously, like you said, Billings, Montana, we're a private school. Um, I had I had never been to Montana before I actually uh, took the offensive coordinator job here, but uh, a smaller private school, um, just over a thousand students, um, kind of nestled in right underneath the rims. Um, beautiful campus. I, I've, I've just been blown away each year that I've been here of how well they do in the summer and uh, and even in the winter when there's snow and, and things like that. But uh, campus is always growing. They're always doing a lot of things to it. Um, and so I, I've really enjoyed my time here. I love Billings as a city. Um, I'm a, I like to get out and travel and do those things. And I think with having an airport here, you know, two, three miles from campus really, uh, really makes things easy for recruits, for parents coming in for games, things like that. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the education side of things, which is very important for us, uh, you know, we're a big health sciences, um, you know, things like that, business, a uh, little bit of teaching, communications is big as well for our guys. Um, you know, we tell guys the only thing we don't have is engineering and uh, diesel mechanic, which unfortunately is a lot of things that kids in Montana, smaller towns really want. Um, we just had our six and eight man camp. Uh, and a lot of those kids are, you know, diesel mechanic and agriculture, you know, things like that. And so, uh, but I, I, I do, I love, I love Rocky. I love Billings. Um, you know, it's a special place for me because it was where I was able to become the first head coach. Uh, I got hired in December of 2018 um, in my journey, uh, originally from Southwest Oklahoma. Uh, my dad's a military guy uh, there. My parents are originally from the Southeast suburbs of Chicago. Um, and so I'm a bears and a Cubs fan. Uh, and right. yeah, they're the best ones around. That's the way <laughs> it is. You know, <laughs> so, um, but uh, my dad actually played professional baseball in the Cleveland Indians organization um, for about five years. And then he had what is now known as Tommy John surgery. Uh, back then it was, Hey, see you later, you know, if you can't get through it. So uh, he went straight out of high school uh, to their organization and then uh, got in the military after that. Um, so we ended up at Lawton Fort Sill uh, military base down there. And that's, I was there since I was oh, three years old, I think. So, you know, I, I'm originally from Oklahoma is what I tell people. So went to the university of Wyoming, played for Joe Glenn, um, the historic Joe Glenn, who uh, has been kind of all over Montana, Northern Colorado, uh, started, uh, played at the University of South Dakota, uh, and then started coaching at Doan College, and um, so was there, and was, you know, such a great quarterback that ended up getting our, our coaching staff let go, <laughs> unfortunately, so uh, I transferred to Indiana State University for a year, um, was there, and, you know, I, I really learned what Division One AA football is, and there was a lot of coaches that, you know, kind of stepped down for a year, or were let go from another staff, and, and, uh, so that staff turned around quickly uh, in a year. Um, and, you know, I was, I was there, had surgery, missed spring ball uh, after the season I played there. Um, they brought in a quarterback with his OC uh, from the University of Washington. And, and the guy was a great player. He's still a, still a friend of mine. He's a college coach as well. And so, you know, he won the job and, and I wanted to play. I didn't want to, didn't want to sit on the bench or be a backup. I wanted to play. So I ended up transferring to uh, Morningside College and finishing out my career uh, and I tell our guys all the time, you know, I wish I would have stayed at Wyoming and, and uh, you know, figured it out there and did the best I could. Uh, it's just kind of hard when the new head coach comes in and says, hey, you don't fit us, so you better find a new home. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the reality of it. That's the business of it. But always knew I wanted to coach. Um, and then so after got done playing, uh, actually got hired at a triple option school, William Penn University in Oskaloosa, Iowa. 
uh, had no idea what the triple option was. You know, my options were to either throw the dig route, throw the post route or check down. Um, I didn't even know what a running quarterback was. I don't, <laughs> um, although I do like to tell people I was a dual threat, you know, I could hand it off or throw it. Those were my two threats. So, <laughs> but that's kind of, that's kind of, uh, how I started. And so I was there for two years. I uh, got my master's degree and learned a lot about the game um, in regards to, you know, learning triple option. There's a lot of great things that are involved with it of numbers and matchups and, you know, being simple and, and doing what you do uh, and not changing for anybody. And so uh, after two years of that, I went to the University of South Dakota uh, for Joe Glenn, who was coaching there, um, spent some time with him uh, there coaching the running backs and then uh, got the opportunity to go back to William Penn as the offensive coordinator. Uh, so I was there for three years. Um, and then Jason Petrino, uh, who I, he was part of the staff at Wyoming and at South Dakota, uh, who I've known for, oh God, 15 years now, seems like. Um, he got hired out here as the head coach and, and brought me on as the offensive coordinator and um, was just kind of ready to do my own thing offensively and put my own stamp on it and see a little bit different and, um, you know, try to make a run at some stuff. And I knew I wanted to be a head coach. Um, and so I needed to kind of branch out a little bit and uh, so was here for, for two years. Um, and then, you know, I, it was dumb for me because I thought Jason was going to be here for a long time. You know, Montana guy, um, had a family, had some younger kids. And, uh, and then, so I kind of, you know, I thought, well, if I've, if I want to do this and become a head coach, I've got to try to find a spot where I can, uh, where I can kind of grow with that. So I became the assistant head coach and offensive line coach at, um, at Southwestern Oklahoma state university. Um, and, you know, a little bit played into being closer to home. Um, you know, I thought, oh, that'd be great. And then I, you know, I'm there and I'm like, well, it's kind of the, all the same stuff, really. You know, I can come back and visit. I don't need to be around here. And my parents were getting close to retiring at that time. And they, you know, they didn't want to drive an hour to the school. They'd rather fly somewhere and go travel and do those things. So uh, I was there. Thought I'd be there for a while. And then all of a sudden I get a call from Jeff Mulvey, our athletic director. And he said, Hey, Jason's going to take a different job uh, at Southern Illinois as the defensive coordinator. And um, I think he called me on a Friday. I came up on a Monday interviewed uh, and was hired on a Thursday. So it was about seven, eight day process, I think. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. And so first season was 2019. Um, you know, we, they had won the conference championship in 2018 I think one of the things that helped me was I knew everybody on the roster except for four guys. Uh, yeah. I was still part of that recruiting class uh, from previous and knowing the guys and things like that, but um, had a tough one our first year. You know, we really had to get back to the basics, build our foundation. Uh, I tell guys all the time, they were, they were good guys. They were good players. Um, but I think there was over 20 seniors from that all conference, from that conference championship team. Um, so we had young guys, but we got a couple big wins on the road a couple wins at home um, and then went into uh, last spring thinking, okay, here we go. You know, let's build this thing. Let's keep going. And then uh, the world uh, had a big thing happen to us. So, so, so coach, before we get into that, cause I think there's yeah. a lot, a lot to unpack there, but, oh yeah, um, you know, one of the things that as you were talking there about kind of your journey, mm -hmm. one of the things that we talk about is how m most everything, just like coaching in life, are there's so many interconnections yeah. in terms of in your community. And you kept talking about how coaches, you know, were at schools that you either played for that you developed relationships with, and then down the road, now you end up coaching with them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's about relationships that you build that give you opportunities, 
you know, to, to, to continue to do that. But talk to us a little bit about kind of just that mindset of becoming a coach and, and saying, I'm going to probably have to jump around here a little bit and, and kind of how do you prepare yourself to do that? And, or the turnover of coaches that are around you, because like you said, there's coaches leaving to take other jobs that's doing what's best for their family and and that sort of thing. So I guess there's a couple of questions in there. Yeah. However you want. I think the biggest thing for me early on, I knew I wanted to be involved with sports. Um, you know, I got a, I got a sports broadcasting degree, uh, from the, from the university of, you know, three different schools, I guess you could <laughs> took apart in that, but I always knew I wanted to do something in sports. Um, and I had great, I had great coaches and bad coaches. Like we all do, you know, guys that you're like, man, if I'm ever a coach, I'm not doing that. And some of that changed your lives. Uh, some of those were maybe your dad, your uncles, your grandfather, whatever it was, brothers. Um, and so I knew I always wanted to coach. I thought it was pretty cool, you know, going to Wyoming and the whole recruiting process um, and guys getting to travel around and meet different people from Oklahoma to California to Florida and Minnesota and wherever. Um, and so I always thought that was pretty cool of how coaches were able to do that. And then, you know, honestly, I thought, man, that you can make pretty good money by just drawing X's and O's and being on the field and, and, and doing that. So I always thought that was, that was good. I wanted to give back to the game that gave me so much, um, you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to get a college education and a master's degree uh, as well. And so wanted to do as much as I could for the next generation. Um, knew I didn't really want to coach high school, uh, just with the teaching involved and really liked, you know, it goes back to uh, NCAA football on, on Xbox and PlayStation of you're going out and recruiting the guys and, you know, building your team and then leaving a mid-major school to go be at Alabama or wherever it was. And so that played a part in it too. I thought that was really fun. Um, and so uh, that kind of got me into it. And then, you know, I tell people all the time, there's, you know, you, you hear, well, I know this guy. Well, to me, it's not about who, you know, it's about who knows you. Um, so I know a lot of people. I know Nick Saban. I don't think he knows me, <laughs> but you know, um, and so just, just getting around different people. And I've always, I've always liked meeting different people. Uh, I've always liked meeting different kids and seeing different areas and, and then really, I think growing up, knowing um, that I had grandparents and aunts and uncles in Chicago and, you know, I didn't come from a place that our family for generations were in one area, you know, we were, we were all over. And so uh, I knew I wanted to get away from home and go to school. Um, I knew I wanted to be a coach. And so I tell guys as well all the time, if you want to coach, you better be able to travel wherever and go wherever, um, you know, no knock against guys that want to stay in one area, but if, uh, if Alabama's calling you, you're probably going to go there, you know, but are you going to have that same feeling if it's a division two school? And I think coaches that have that same feeling and are open to go different places and do different things, uh, if they're able to, um, those are the guys I like being around and, and want to coach with and hire and things like that. Um, that's just my opinion. You know, I obviously know there's family involved and wife or kids or whatever, and there's always a different situation, but um, I'm okay with moving wherever, um, you know, but I do love bill- being in Billings. Um, I've been from big cities to, to small little towns and everywhere in between. Um, but that's kind of my thought of how I wanted to get into coaching and why um, and, uh, and how I've kind of ended up everywhere. So you talked about when you went to William Penn, is that right? Yes. In, yeah. That they taught, they did uh some option stuff and just how it was like 
we do what we do and we are who we are and you're going to have yep. to deal with this. And I think that's one thing we talk about eyes up a lot is this idea that we want to have an identity. We want to have a foundation and you talk sure. about being open to change and open to these ideas. I think that's an amazing thing that can be a part of your identity in some ways. Who are you guys? What's, what's Rocky mountain football. What's, what's your identity as a coach to say, when my guys come in, we want to, we want to help them grow into this type of man. We want to help them grow into this type of football player, because I think you can say change is inevitable and we know that, and there's going to be opportunities, but if you got the call from Alabama, what do you bring sort of thing? Cause I think that's really important to know about ourselves also, as you say, be open to change, be open to that new thing, but what are you bringing? And that's the thing that you said, what are, do they know you? Yeah. And I think that's an important question. Do you know you? And I think obviously yeah. if you're a head coach, you certainly have an, a sense of who you guys are. So who are you? What are you well, guys about? Be, when I became the head coach, we, I, I didn't know. I'll be honest. Yeah. And things that, you know, you go into a, an interview and you say, Hey, this is what we're going to do in the first six months. And this is, you know, the things that I'm going to change or I'm going to adapt or how we're going to recruit kids here. Uh, the thing I failed at honestly was saying, you know, this is truly what I believe in. Yeah. I wanted good kids and you want high academics and all those things. Right. But that's, to me, that's the outer shell, duh. You know? Um, so it took me about, it, it truly took us and me, I was at fault for it, for not having that and coming in and saying, here's what we're doing. So after our first season, um, I was actually part of the 35 under 35 for the AFC uh, coaches clinic. And, and I learned, okay, what do I want? How do I want to do it? And how are we going to get it done? Um, and so our first thing, we have three different things that we look at. Uh, number one, we have four words. So it's character, accountability, relentless, and discipline. You're going to see that throughout our program. We're going to talk about it, not just bring it up. You know, we've got it spelled out. We show kids, we send it to them. We talk about it in recruiting, um, you know, character, be a good person. So we've got a definition of what we expect uh, with those four things. And so that's who we look for and who we want to develop in our program and get them to that. Um, does every kid have great character when they first get here? Maybe, you know, is every kid really disciplined? I don't know. Um, and so it's, it's, probably not. you know, it depends on what it is. Are they disciplined enough to, to eat the right food? Some are, are they and that other kid is disciplined enough to maybe get up for class and, and vice versa. So uh, those are the four words that we believe in, and we're going to get you to that. And it has nothing to do with height, weight, how fast you are, how many, how far you can throw the ball, how well you can tackle. That's what we want our making our mold of each, each player to have and to be. Uh, we feel like if you can be that you're going to be successful in life. Um, uh, you spoke to something really interesting. You said, you know, some kids are disciplined about getting to the classroom. Some kids are disciplined about getting to the weight room. Some kids are disciplined about how do you let them know that they're going to have a strength area and that's okay, but that they have to grow the other thing too. What's the communication that you have with them around maybe some character, some accountability, some relentlessness challenges that they're experiencing. What's some of the language that you bring to them to, to help them grow in that area? So we not only do language, we talk about uh, I think the definition, I think kids, you know, sometimes when they hear the word relentless, okay, what does that mean? What does character actually mean? Um, and so we defined it as be a good person. If you can look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, um, what I'm choosing to do every day or every act, I'm okay. Uh, and we talk about that in team meetings. And then when we go into fall camp, and this is why last year was so brutal, mm -hmm. we go into fall camp, the first team meeting we have, the only thing we talk about are those four words. 
besides, hey, what time you need to be here tomorrow? Uh, we talk about that and it's important to us. It's on t-shirts. Um, and so the, the first thing we do is we bring them in and we say, okay, here's what character means, right? I, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm not a huge fan of using the word we're a family because some kids didn't come from a good family. Some kids don't want to, you know, dad was abusive, mom wasn't there, whatever it is. So when they hear the word family, they think of, it may be, it may be bad. Um, it may be something negative. And so I know that's a, a lot of people and coaches don't like hearing that answer when I say that. Um, but we're going to be a group. We're going to create a culture of those four words. And so during fall camp, we talk about it and we actually do classes and meetings um, where we sit down. It's, it's mainly on our off days when we're not practicing where we will put them into groups and it is as random as possible. Um, and we'll have one coach talk about injuries. Okay. Are you disciplined enough? And we'll use these words, these key words throughout all these talks. Are you disciplined enough to keep the mindset, to keep going through an injury? Are you, you know, relentless enough that I need to cut this weight to make sure I'm in the best place to play? Um, do I have good enough character that if I'm not going to go out and drink and drive, you know, those types of things. So we use these words as coaches and that goes into me and our assistant coaches. Um, and I think it's with them seeing it all around and, you know, I'll, I'll put it on our huddle messages that we send out, you know, just our, our, our hashtag and it's earn your card, uh, which means, you know, C-A-R-D from character, accountability, relentless and discipline. And so we will put that on there and, and um, we make sure guys understand it. And that's the way you get into our locker room. Yeah. You know, you don't just go into our locker room because, hey, I'm a college football player. You have to earn it. And it has nothing to do again, because you may redshirt a kid and go, well, you can't get in there until you're a great player. Um, no, it's about having the right people in the locker room, because if you're not in our locker room, you don't play for us. You won't you won't suit up. You won't play a game. Uh, so if you have those four things and yes, I understand every kid's going to slip on it. Right. I, you know, that's just the way it is. And uh, what I did last year and, and I used to and I was I was a terrible head coach my first year. I was a yeller. I was a screamer. I'm the, I'll be the first one to say that I was I was the worst because I thought it was just going to be the same thing as coach, you know, being the offensive coordinator, just, you know, now it's more kids. Um, it's not, it's completely opposite <laughs> to be honest with you. And so um, I had to look at myself first and say, okay, what, what do I need to change? How do I need to be better? And then how do I get the most out of our guys? And, and I still slip up. So how can I judge a kid half my age, if not younger, to not slip up, but, but me be perfect, you know, and things like that. So we talk about it. If a kid gets in trouble, um, you know, drinking in the dorms, let's say, I'm not going to sit there and yell at them. I'm going to say, Hey, here's our four words. Did you have a good character on that? Uh, no, I didn't. Were you disciplined? You know, and sometimes they don't, you know, relentless, I guess it, that doesn't really tie into drinking in the dorms. And I understand that. But, but I mean, you could, you could argue it. You could say, Hey, like relentless dudes on our team do things with mm -hmm. high, you know, high motor Absolutely. High character all the time. So yeah. if somebody else is doing it and you felt like you needed to do it, were you relentless and saying, Hey, yeah. this isn't who we are. Like you yeah. can bring it in. And I, oh, think, yeah. I mean, I love your transparency right now, by the way, I appreciate yeah. just saying, Hey, I was, I fall short, you know, I can't Absolutely. not to that's unbelievable. Absolutely. And so that's the, that's a big part of, you know, preaching it over and over again. And, and 
you know, we all played college football. We all understand where we're sitting there going, oh, God, coach is talking about this again. But we really try to put them, you know, going back to fall camp and doing things with them to help grow them mentally, physically, spiritually, all these different things. So we do different groups. Uh, we talk about how to treat women. You know, we bring in somebody from who's not just a, a, a guy saying, hey, treat women right. We bring in women to talk to our guys. We bring in the chief of police or somebody with the police force um, to talk to them and to, to try to explain, hey, this is maybe this is what they're thinking or coming from a police officer's uh, perspective or uh, and then our players fire back with questions. You know, we're open and honest. We don't, I don't try to hide anything. I don't try to run from anything. We're going to talk about it and we're going to try to do the best we can. Um, and there's some times where I'm like, guys, I don't know, <laughs> you know, coach, why do we have to test each week? If I already had COVID, uh, I don't know. They're telling me to, and that's just what my boss said. So, you know, if that's, what's going to be coach, why do I have to wear this mask or what, you know, why do I, why do I, why can't I leave the, the door propped open in the dorms or, you know, things like that. Um, there's a lot of different questions. And sometimes I just, I'm, completely honest and say, I don't know. That's just what I'm being told. And uh, here's the person that can probably give you a better answer than, <laughs> than what I am. But um, we try to break it down during fall camp. And then we do a lot of different things in the spring. Uh, we break them up into teams. Um, but I would say kind of going back to the original question, those are our four things we look for and we want to build. And we understand kids coming into our program, whether they're junior college, high school, transfer from a four-year, whatever it is, they may not have all those. But if we can see that we can get it out of them and build on that, then, then he's a right fit for us. Um, when it comes to recruiting, fast, physical, and football intelligence, you have to have two out of those three things for us. Um, coach, I'm slow and I'm not very physical. We don't look at you. <laughs> coach, I'm really smart and I'm fast. I'm just not very physical. Okay, hopefully we can build on that and grow from that. Um, and then it goes into, you know, the offense and defensive philosophies uh, of what we want to do. But they will always carry back to fast physical FBI is what we call it, football intelligence, and then character accountability, relentless and discipline. Man, coach, I love that you're, you know, clearly your head coach. Secondly, it's also clear that you have a broadcasting communications degree. Cause <laughs> you know, you, you, you brought up a concept and then instead of letting us a ask a question about, you know, how, how do you incorporate this? You just, you just answered. Cause you knew that was yeah. going to be the question, but Oh yeah. I love that. Um, I actually have one of one of the things I had written down to ask you is what are what's your motto, your phrase, your slogan that you use, and how do you live it out? And you just yeah. spent the last ten minutes, not ten minutes, five minutes, explaining to us. Okay, it's character, it's accountability, it's relentless, and it's discipline. Discipline. Yep. And and I think we we have a lot of high school coaches, youth coaches, to college coaches that listen to our podcast, and and parents also. And I think that's one of the most common things that we see is, okay, we have all these words, but how do we live it out? And I love that you are just infiltrating everything that you do from your meetings to your events, to your practices, to your conversations with kids. So uh, I love that. Um, yeah. Let's get into this spring though. Okay. So you, you, you know, everything gets shut down. You mm -hmm. have to navigate through COVID and at one point it was like, maybe we're going to play in the fall still. And then, nope, we're not playing in the fall. We're going to play in the spring. Take us through a little bit of that process. And what was it like to play spring, actual spring football games, not just a spring game? Well, it actually started back last spring. Um, 
we were we went to uh, University of Southern California as a coaching staff for professional development. So we all fly out on a Monday morning together and we were planning on Monday just kind of doing our own thing in Southern California. So we went to the beach, we went to this. And, you know, at that time, I think I'd heard about what COVID was and things like that. But, you know, I, I went to college when swine flu was going on and, and things like that. And that didn't change anything. I, I still remember getting up and going to weights and running and doing all that, <laughs> you know, and, um, and so we went to Southern California. Tuesday was going to be the full day at, at USC. Uh, we were going to go to meetings. We were going to meet with coaches. We were going to go to practice, all that stuff. And then Wednesday, we were going to fly out. And our kids were on spring break at this time. So Monday, we get down there. Great. Tuesday, awesome. Well, USC at that time, they had a, they had a big rain, thunderstorm, things like that. So they moved their practice to Wednesday. Well, on Wednesday, the staff was like, hey, we're, you know, we're okay with staying another day. But my dad had just retired. And so we had always talked about going to spring training baseball. So we had it planned where I was going to fly out Wednesday, go to spring training. And then, you know, for, we were going to go to eight games in four days. So, you know, I, I told the staff, I said, Hey, why don't you guys stay for practice? Have a good time. You know, they don't want me there anyway. You know, they like being on their own and doing those things. And so I said, all right, go have some fun. And uh, so they went to practice. I flew out, met my dad in Arizona because if I would have, you know, by the time it, he's not making it in Arizona on his own, you know. <laughs> hey. um, so I'm like, all right, I got to do this. So they're there. They watch practice, head back. Well, when we're in Arizona, I'm sitting at the Cubs, Cubs Padres game. And behind us, it's like the fourth inning I hear, oh, the NBA game got shut down because of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, man. And I looked at my dad and I said, it's uh, here we go. And so we get back to the hotel where well, the next day was when they kind of put everything on hold. And so all the spring training games were on hold. NCAA tournaments were on hold. And then Friday, everything's canceled. So, you know, he goes home, we fly back. So we got to see four innings of, of spring training baseball, which was fun. But um, and then the following week, we get sent home. We come in on Monday and they come in and they say, hey, they're going to extend spring, uh, spring break a week. So we go home. Fast forward, we come back to June 1st. So we had had kids, you know, at home from spring break for all this. And we did not start spring ball. We had just gotten done with our winter conditioning, had spring break. We were going to take the first week back from spring break to do some skills and drills, get them back into it, um, then start practice. And so we weren't able to do that. Uh, it was a weird time. You know, as, as all of us, we didn't have an answer. We didn't know what to think, what to expect. Um, and so we just did the best we could. And we figured out that Zoom was a good tool. Uh, so we did up until, you know, the rest of March, April, May, we did Zoom meetings. We had a, a team meeting uh, once a week. Um, then we did offense and defensive meetings. And then we met with our freshmen. We had position meetings. Uh, and it was really good. Uh, in July, we made the decision because we require all of our returners to be back in July. June is optional. July, we had everybody back except for two. Uh, that was weird. You know, we had all these different protocols from, and this was before kind of testing was widely known. Uh, we went to the, the Metra here, which is the big, you know, uh, arena here. Uh, we did a testing that they were still doing for the community. So where you sat in your car and they tested everybody and we tested 107 guys. Everybody was good. Um, 
clean, good to go. And then you start finding out that, okay, you'd, you'd rather them get it and be done with it, <laughs> you know, and, and you had all this stuff. So you're sitting there and you're trying to, trying to navigate through all this and uh, was really proud of the way the guys handled July. We get here in August, we go fall camp. In the back of my mind, I knew we were going to get moved to spring. Um, you know, with us, we've got private schools. Uh, we've got public schools. We've got the, you know, the little sister schools of Montana and Montana State. So once I found out Montana and Montana State weren't playing, well, they're not going to let Montana Western, who's part of that same school system, play if they're not playing. So in my mind, it was like, all right, we're, we're going to get moved to the spring. Um, at that time, I honestly thought it was the best call. I thought things would be a little more quiet down. I thought we could have all fall. The only thing I asked for was if we were going to get moved to the spring, that we could still do things with our guys in the fall and try to make it as normal as possible. Because again, we've all been freshmen in college. Yeah. We worried about homesickness. We worried about mom and dad. We worried about getting to class and waking up on time. We didn't worry about wearing a mask. We didn't worry about social distancing. And, you know, you got to remember these, these guys had to stay in their rooms and couldn't hang out with anybody. Yeah do anything as coaches in a group bigger than 10 people. So I wanted to do as much as we could, but then also being at a smaller school, I needed to make sure that guys were here so we could keep the doors open. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's reality for you of, you know, I've got nine assistants making sure that they're getting a paycheck every week. If, if uh, so that was big for me um, to try to, try to make sure we could keep going as much as possible. We had 12 uh, practices in the, in fall camp, but the other thing that was terrible was the, the fires fires were really bad. So the smoke, so one day we'd wake, we'd wake up and there'd be five kids with headache and sore throat. Well, is that from the smoke? Is it COVID? Is it whatever? So we had one practice where we were going to have, I think 31 guys. And I just said, we got it. We got to shut this down. So then you deal with, you know, parents, well, why are they there? What are we doing if they're not practicing and they're not doing this? And so, you know, you navigate through that and you just, you know, you take the, the parents uh, um, complaints and compliments and, you know, like you do with everything else and you uh, put it on a piece of paper and you store it in a aluminum, you know, can that's a, that's a great spot for it. <laughs> you, know, you, you listen to them and, and they're worried, you know, they're worried about this and that. And I get it. I, you know, I was worried about kids and yeah. And then you're a kid, and what have you always been told when you're sick and there's sports going on? Hey, get through it. You'll be fine. Sweat it out, you know, when you got the flu and you'll move on. Um, so it was it was a little tough at first. Uh, and then going through the semester, I think our kids did a great job. We did have guys test positive. We did have guys that had to isolate, quarantine. Uh, we had all that stuff. And so just like everybody else. Right. Yeah. You know, we're not different. We're not special. Um, so we did the best we could. Uh, then we went into about a six-week uh, winter conditioning, winter condo type uh, atmosphere where we did lifting, we did running, we did skills and drills. Um, and then in the fall, we got another 12 practices in uh, that we treated as a spring ball. But then the biggest thing was we were supposed to play seven games in the spring. Okay, Our kids went home a week before Thanksgiving. And you guys know this. Usually after Thanksgiving to Christmas break, you have about two weeks. I still don't know why any school does that. <laughs> come back for 10 days, even in a normal year. Um, so our kids go home November 20th, 18th, something like that. Our school didn't start again until January 20th. So they're gone for two months. Well, thank God we were able to, and then we were supposed to start practice a week and a half after they get back. 
I'm telling our athletic director, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to have these kids because again, some of these kids are from California, from Florida, from all over California, I think just got opened up two days ago. Mm-hmm. So how are they going to go lift? How are they going to go run and do what they're supposed to do? Be fit, right? Um, yeah. So it was, it was still even navigating that. So we, um, we got them back January 5th. Uh, we're able to be in the weight room. And then about two weeks later, we get pushed from a seven game schedule to a four game schedule. So then, you know, you hear all the, well, why'd we come back early? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it's, you tell these guys, Hey, here's the process and here's what we're going to do. And so um, I will say that was the best decision that we made as coaches to move from a seven to a four. When we played our first game, uh, March 13th, I believe it was um, our, our players' bodies and they were, they were, they were hurting. It was yeah. like, we just played the, the bloodiest game, the, the worst game in the world physical wise. Um, and so that was probably the toughest thing. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I still look at how these teams that played, you know, the FCS schools that played seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 games, how they're going to turn around in three months. But, you know, the four games um, we tested every week for six weeks in a row. We didn't have one guy test positive. Uh, they did a great job. It was weird in hotel rooms. It was weird still in meetings. Um, but they did a they did a great job with it. And, you know, it was weird going to practice. We had to cut down and be simple because you didn't know if your starter was going to play or it was going to be your fourth string guy. Uh, and we made the commitment and had the ability to, as coaches, and it was tough to say we're going to play a bunch of guys. You know, this is going to be where we're going to play three quarterbacks. We're going to play nine, 10 O linemen and a bunch of D linemen and receivers and all this stuff. Um, now there were 25 to 30 guys that we didn't play because we didn't feel like they were ready. Um, yeah. And so we did that. The only ones that played a normal four game schedule were the guys that we knew weren't coming back this fall. And so I felt like to some of those seniors, um, you know, if he's a starter, I'm not, I'm going to let him play, you know, yeah. I, he gets he gets what he wants out of it and and so we did that we went through four weeks um had battled through it we're winning every game and had the opportunities and um you know it was uh it was good for us Uh, I thought it was good but after that we uh guys were done let's see April was our last game and they were done with school I think that next week um, and so what I did on April 10th, we were here the following week doing exit meetings and, and, you know, things like that, equipment, team meetings. Um, and then I went home for about two weeks and put headphones in and mowed a bunch of grass <laughs> and just kind of decomposed. Um, cause it wasn't just tough on the kids. It was tough on coaches. It was very tough, uh, you know, going each week and okay, how are we going to handle this? How, you know, I've got parents who are older, you know, my dad's a smoker and things like that. And yeah. so you know, you just kind of go through that. And, and then the little things of not being able to have fans at the games, um, that was a really weird, you know, usually I can hear them yelling at me from about 30 feet <laughs> and now they're 300 feet away. And so it projects. And I think some of them even had, you know, the, the megaphone so I could, they could make sure they heard me, <laughs> but, you know, I still heard it. Don't, don't go for it on fourth down, punt the ball, kick the field goal, you know, all that stuff. But uh, no, it was good. It was good. It was a, it was a weird, weird year for all of us. And, um, I think being able to get through that and navigate through that is is only going to make everybody, you know, a little bit more resilient and a little bit tougher. So other than the resilience and the toughness that I think just naturally comes out of any adversity, what, uh, 
explain why was it or was it worth it to play those four games and what what benefits did you see whether it be from from you the coaching staff the school the kids whatever well number one I think for our seniors um, I wanted to sure. make sure that they were able to have their senior year whether it was four games 11 12 whatever it is to have their senior year um, for what they had done for this program and all those things and so that's important to me uh, to make sure they go out and they were able to have that, you know, and, and we had a guy get injured, you know, he, he got hurt um, game two, who was a senior who had gotten hurt the year before, but at least he had the opportunity. Uh, yeah. And then I think it's just, you know, why are the guys here? They're here to play football. I understand it's to get an education and I'm 100% with that, but they chose Rocky most of the time because of whether it was coaches or the, the program, um, the culture and, so I was, I was all for that. And I thought, you know, we're going to have a spring ball. Let's just go out and play somebody else. So it's either practice against us, which we had already done for a year, you know, yeah. um, and I had no problem, you know, Montana Western in our conference and Montana tech in Southern Oregon opted out, uh, whether it was because of the schools, the counties, the States, whatever, um, players, things like that. But I, you know, I asked our guys, I said, what do you want to do? And they wanted to play in, in the fall. They wanted to play a seven-game schedule. They wanted to play. If they would have said, hey, we don't want to play, I would have supported that. Um, but they wanted to play, and we wanted to coach. And so that's what the decision we made, and, and uh, I was really happy that we did it. Coach, I appreciate you joining us because I think there's a lot of good takeaways in it, right? We we talked about a lot of stuff, and I, I'm – you know, John's taking notes over there, and I'm trying to remember all the things. But I, I just – I wish you guys nothing but the best. And as you guys transition here in the summer to normal, I guess is the word we'll use about yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're fully going. We're ready. Uh, to go. Yeah. You know, and uh, appreciate it. And I hope your guys is, you know, that, that learning curve that you had for that little bit and then it got interrupted. I just hope it keeps going and that you guys are, are able to, to grow together into that, into that team that demonstrates those, those four things you talked about in such a powerful way. So uh, good luck this fall. Yep. Thank you guys. And I appreciate it. Sorry. I get a lot, a little long winded. I get into the recruiting pitch and the spiel, but I love what That's I do, great. who I'm around and, and love this place. And so as many times as I can share who we are and what we are and what we're trying to be to anybody, um, I'm all for it. Awesome. Thank you, coach. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks to coach Stutz, Rocky mountain college again, just a cool conversation where we were, X's and O's, Jamie, and we were zoomed in on that for a little while. And then we zoom out to, you know, how do you deal with adversity? How do you build a culture? How do you live out and integrate the things, the, the words, and, and make it not just be words? That was kind of, we were just talking again and hit record again. And, and okay, how do we integrate that? How do you, what was your takeaway? Well, I, I, the thing that I heard was I wasn't very good in year one. Right. I didn't know. And none of us are good year one. We none. might, th we might think we're really good. Actually. I, I know from experience, dude, if you know what I mean. Um, but we have to be able to self-assess. We have to be able to step back and say, actually, I didn't commit to something. I didn't integrate the things that I wanted to because I was lost in the weeds somewhere else. And it's so easy as leaders. I don't care if it's coaches. I don't care if it's players, whatever your 
taking on for the first time, it's so easy to say, I'm going to get tunnel visioning about one aspect. I'm going to get deep here because this is the thing that I'm passionate about, or this is the thing that I care about, or this is the thing that desires my attention the most. It's the most urgent, right? But in reality, we have to be able to say, I wasn't very good. How do I get better? What things do I really truly believe in? Because when we find the identity that we talked about, right? When you find whatever your card is for you, you are going to be better as a leader, as a coach, as an athlete, as a husband, as a wife, whatever it might be, who are you and how do you integrate that into your life? And that might take some time and some reflection and some study, right? He said he had, he got the opportunity to go for the 35 under 35 thing that helped create that. What's, what are our opportunities that can help us seek out the things that we want to integrate into our life? Because I know that some of us are searching. We've been in year one and just not been very good. Totally. And, and I think as you're saying that, I keep thinking about another statement he made was, you know, be simple, do what we do. And, and how, like in my brain, sometimes there's a, there's a, a battle between be simple and do what you do and continue to evolve and get better and, and figure out how I can continue to grow. Right. And so I, I but I think both are really important and finding that balance of identity this is who I want to be. This is what I want to stand for. These are the words that I want to live my life by. I mean, that's, he didn't say it because he doesn't have the words, but that's living eyes up, right? Those things are finding your identity, be simple, do what you do and get better every day. The simple is a knife, right? The simple is the knife. It's the tool that you're going to use. The, The growth is the constant sharpening. Right. And we have to be able to do both of those things. We have to have the tool in hand. And some of us don't know the tool yet. Right. And I think he didn't know the tool year one. It was card for them. They didn't have that year one. Now it's sharpen it constantly. Right. It's constantly find a way to grow. What does character look like? What does accountability look like? How do we stay relentless even when it's just about drinking in the dorm? You know, that sort of conversation. So we have the tool, identify the tool we need and then sharpen it, make it the most effective it can be. And that's the learning, growing, challenging, having these sort of conversations, having the relationships that are going to draw out our best. And uh, I, this, we could talk all day about coaching stuff, but when it comes down to it, it is that simple. It's develop a tool and then constantly sharpen the thing. Man, I love it, Jamie. Um, appreciate you listeners out there. We appreciate you guys and your support. Do us a favor, share this with somebody that you think will find value. And as always, live eyes up.